you came on an especially, especially great week. As this is, as Joe was saying kind of at the beginning, this is kind of our last time to get together for 2019. Okay, because as, as Joe said, is that next week we got a special week with the bishop coming and it's baptism Sunday. So we're going to have services, but we're not going to have the well. And then after that, George Mason is closed for a couple of weeks while the school is on holiday. So this is our last Sunday together till we are in 2020. So therefore, it means two things. Okay, we're going to do two things today because it's our last Sunday for the year. First, we're going to take a look back. And we're going to take a step back and reflect on the year gone by because I think there's a lot that we can learn from the, the past 12 months and kind of what's going on in the last 12 months. And the second thing is because it's the last week of the year, the last week before Christmas, I tell Christmas jokes. That's kind of like a tradition we have. I tell jokes on Father's Day, and I tell jokes on Christmas, the week before Christmas. So here we go. I got five of the best jokes that I could find on the internet. The internet has to offer. You're going to help me out. Tell me how I do right here. And I got five good ones. And then if y'all are a good crowd, I got a bonus, like an extra credit one, but only if I'm feeling some love from the audience. So if the audience is asleep, then I, I'll just move on and get to the Bible verse stuff. But I got five good ones and a bonus one. So here's the first one. They're kind of Santa related. Why did Santa Claus start seeing a counselor? Because he no longer believed in himself. <laughs> Why would you never want to fight Santa? He's got a black belt. What does Santa, how does Santa refer to his direct reports, the people who report directly to him on the corporate, on the, on the organizational chart? Santa's direct reports, what are they referred to as in the North Pole? Subordinate clauses. Get it, teachers? Get it? You have like a main clause and like a subordinate, if you have like two subjects and one predicate, something like that, okay. Uh, here's a good one. Um, if you see Santa Claus at the South Pole, uh, what would you call him? A lost clause. And number five. <laughs> number five. Why was the snowman looking through the carrots? He was picking his nose. <laughs> all right, you guys are such a good audience. I got a bonus here for you. It's not really a joke, more of a funny story for all the husbands out there preparing to buy their wives presents for Christmas. One husband asked his wife, what is it you want for Christmas? And she said, nothing. Nothing, nothing would make me happier. Nothing would make me happier than a diamond necklace. So he bought her nothing. There we go. <laughs> All right, we have traditions. You have traditions in your home. We have traditions in our home. Now that that's out of the way, let's get to number two. What we want to do here today is we want to take a step back and we want to reflect. We want to do what is commanded us throughout the pages of Scripture. But I got one verse right here from Psalm 77. Verse 11 and 12, the psalmist says, I will remember the works of the Lord. Surely I will remember your wonders of old. I will also meditate on all your work and I will talk of your deeds. It's an important principle in the Christian life and life in general, okay, but especially when it comes to the work of God, that every now and then we take a step back and we reflect, that we remember, that we meditate about what God has done and we not only just thank him for what he has done, but we speak about the great works that God has done. If you go into the Old Testament, if you want to summarize the Old Testament in a nutshell, the Old Testament is this. God worked, the people forgot. God worked, the people forgot. That's why the commandment that is repeated over and over in the Old Testament, more than love, more than pray, more than sacrifice, more than help, more than anything else, the commandment that is commanded is to remember. Remember, 
Remember that you were once slaves in Egypt and I brought you out of slavery. Remember that I defeated your enemies in that battle. Remember that I fed you when you were hungry. Remember that I gave you drink when you were thirsty. Remember, remember, remember. And God even ordained a, a calendar of festivals. And he would say, every year on this day, remember this. Every year on this day, remember this. And he would always say, lest you and your children forget, lest you forget what I did for your fathers in the wilderness, lest you forget what I did when y'all were slaves, lest you forget what I did for you, remembering. And I'll be honest, personally, me, this isn't a strength of mine. Okay, I'm a, I'm a worker bee more than a meditator bee. So I'm the kind of guy that God does great things. I'm not saying don't appreciate, always appreciate, thank you. But then I'm kind of on to the next task. That's just kind of the way I'm wired. I'm, I'm wired to, to, to look and see this is great. God did this. And then what's next? And what's next? And what's next? And what's next? But what I've come to the realization is that's not fair to you. Because you don't necessarily get to see behind the scenes the stuff that I get to see. You don't get to read the emails I get to read. You don't get to hear the stories I get to hear. You don't get to see the great work that God is doing in this church and through this church, which includes you. So what I thought we would do here today is I thought I would share how great a job we are doing. Not me, not saying I'm doing this, and not even really saying we are doing this, but what I want to say today is I want you to know if you're a member of this church, you are making a big difference in the world, and you need to know it. And it's important that you know what God is doing through you in the community around us. And in order for me to be unbiased here today, because obviously I'm biased. I think we're the best church in the whole wide world, and I know we're making a difference. But I don't want to be biased. What I'm going to do here today is I'm going to let people whose lives you're making a difference in, I'm going to let them speak for themselves. You'll see what I mean in a minute. First, what I'm going to do is I want to take a look at our mission statement as a church. And I hope we can read this together. Can we read this all together? All right, all together. We exist to transform lives in the D.C. metropolitan area through an authentic relationship with Jesus Christ founded upon the life and teachings of the Orthodox faith. I am incredibly passionate about this, and I hope that you are as well, that we exist to transform lives. We are not just a country club. We don't just exist to gather for ourselves. We're not just here to be cultural Christians, just to fulfill some kind of Christian requirement that we have to have a church and go to church on Sundays. We're not here just to look like Christians or just to have hashtag blessed on everything that we post and live nothing else outside of that. We're here to transform lives. And that begins first and foremost with our own. And if you're a member of this church, and you've been a member of the church for a while, and your life isn't transformed, either you're not doing something right or I'm not doing something right. One of us isn't doing his job. Because our lives should be transformed. Our marriages should be different than they were before we started attending church. The way we view money should be different than the way before we started attending church. The way we treat our friends our enemies, the people who are different than us, the way we deal with authority, our temper, anxiety. Like if our lives are not transformed, something isn't working right. Second Corinthians chapter three, verse 18, St. Paul says how this transformation works. He says, but we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the spirit of the Lord. He draws a picture here of a man looking into a mirror and seeing something that's changing the way he looks. I don't know if you've ever seen this before. I don't know if you believe in this, but I believe in this. You know how they say that people, after you've had a pet for a long time, they start to look like the pet or the pet looks like them. I don't really know how it works, okay? But you, you say, like, that's ridiculous. But then you see the pictures and you're like, oh, my goodness. Like, yes, like something is weird. That man looks just like his cat, like his uncanny things. Well, that's kind of what St. Paul is saying is that we here in the church, we come and we see Jesus. 
and we see Jesus. And the more we see him, the more we see him, unbeknownst to us, step by step, day by day, we're becoming more and more like him. We're looking like him. We're talking like him. We're thinking like him. Give you another analogy in case the pet one wasn't really your cup of tea. I think of it like a big mountain, a big, huge mountain. And at the top of that mountain, I run a little stream of water, little tiny little stream of water, not a lot of water, just a little tiny stream. But if I keep that stream going and that stream goes down that mountain, what's going to happen over time? After a week, two weeks, a month, three months, a year, a decade, a century, what's going to happen? That little stream is not going to be a little stream. That little stream will have changed that mountain and become a gushing river. The stream, the tiny little stream will have overpowered the mountain and transformed the mountain. That's what happened in the Christian life is the more we're in church, the more we're in front of Christ, the more we're in our scripture, the more we're here in fellowship together, the more and more we are being transformed day by day, day by day, not overnight, but day by day, a little bit more like Christ, our lives must be transformed. But not just our lives. The transformation can't be limited to just me and myself. A true transformation must extend beyond. And I'm going to show you one of my favorite verses. We actually read it during the liturgy here today for those who are paying attention. That talks about the original church in the book of Acts, chapter 17, verse 6. And this is from the mouth of people who hated them. This is the mouth of their enemies. And they said, these people, these who have turned the world upside down, have come here too. Did you know that the early church turned the world upside down? You can go ask any historian, any unbiased one. You can go ask him, what is it? that shaped the civilization that we live in today, Western civilization? What shaped it? What are the factors that led to its, its stark transformation from what it was in the first century, okay, and really the, the, the BC times, which was barbaric and ruthic? What, what, what was it that transformed it? Any unbiased historian will tell you the number one factor, not the only factor, but the number one factor that transformed civilization is Christianity. Because Christianity messes stuff up. Christianity turns the world upside down. Christianity turned the world upside down on how they view men and women. Did you know that? Did you know that before Christianity, women were not seen as equal to men? They couldn't even be in the same place as men. Christianity, the church was the only place, the only place in the first century where you had people to say, that man and that woman, equal in God's eyes. No place said that on the planet. Church was the only place that said, whether it's a man who is strong and adds value to society or a child who adds no value to society in God's eyes are the same. Church is the first one. Church is the only place, did you know, church is the only place in the first century where you could have an owner, a slave owner who had many slaves and many servants and their slave side by side in the church receiving one bread and drinking one cup. Nowhere else in society had that. Only in the church. The church turned the world upside down. And people who would be enemies, people who would never speak to each other, Jews and Gentiles, never speak to each other outside. But in the church, Everything was different. The church messed people up. Church messed up how people looked at sick people. Church messed up how people looked at life and death, how people looked at money, how people looked at giving and receiving. The church is supposed to mess stuff up. And did you know, do you remember this church? Your church is messing stuff up as well. You are messing up the world as well. And today, what I want to share is about how we, in some small ways, I don't want to say we're at the level of this, but you're messing stuff up as well. I remember for those who were here way back in the day when the church first started in 2012, the first liturgy we ever prayed, the inaugural liturgy. I stood up there and I don't remember what I said. I probably said babbled a lot of junk. But one thing I do remember saying, I said, this is not a start of a church. This is start of a tidal wave. Because what a tidal wave is, is way out there at sea. This small, little, tiny little blip. But you can barely see it. But over time, what happens to that tidal wave messes stuff up. 
And that's why I said the church is going to be, it's a tiny little blip right now. It's just a tiny little thing over there, just renting some funny little place over there. But with time, if the church does what it's supposed to be doing, if you do what you're supposed to do, I'm doing what I'm supposed to do, that church is going to mess stuff up and everyone's going to feel its impact. And I want to talk about how that is happening today. We're going to look at a passage from 2 Corinthians chapter 9. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, St. Paul is speaking to a group of Christians in the city of Corinth who he had earlier asked them to help with the church in Jerusalem. The church in Jerusalem was kind of like the mother church. That was kind of all the churches came from there, but then they dispersed all over the place. The church in Jerusalem was suffering and they needed financial support. So St. Paul wrote to the churches of Asia Minor, the people who had immigrated out, and said, please help your brothers and sisters here in Jerusalem. And they were very generous. So St. Paul is writing a letter to thank them for their generosity. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 10 says, now he who provides seed for the sower and bread for the food will provide and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. What St. Paul is saying here in this verse right here is it's bigger than money. What we're talking about here is not just money. I'm talking about seeds. And he uses this analogy of seeds because it's a good picture. What he's saying is you guys had your arms open and God put seeds in your hand. And you guys were generous with those seeds and you planted seeds in a far, far, far away land. It's not dollars and cents. It's seeds given by the sower from above, given to you that you were generous and willing to share. Verse 11. And therefore, my prayer for you is that you will be enriched in every way, that you may be generous, and this generosity through us is producing thanksgiving to God. Well, how about that? What they're saying is, I'm so happy what you did with the original seed. I'm praying you get more of it. And I'm praying God blesses you more and gives you more seed because it's producing thanksgiving to God. Verse 12. For the ministry of the service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but is also overflowing through many expressions of thanksgiving to God. What he's saying here again, it's not dollars and cents. What y'all are doing is y'all are making a big difference. Because remember, I told you a minute ago, these were the Jewish and these were the people who had immigrated. So you had like this Jew-Gentile contrast going. So there was a bit, there was a, there was a, a bigger picture here that the Jews originally didn't accept the Gentiles. It kind of gave them a hard time. And now the Gentiles are joining the church and joining the church. And now they're kind of in a position where the Jews kind of, the Jewish Christians need their support. So that what St. Paul is saying is you're doing more than just giving, okay, to, 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 for the finances. You are causing people to believe in God and to thank God and to say, I thank God for you. Now, but before we continue the story, let me ask you a question. Have you ever seen this? Have you ever seen someone Thank God for you? Have you ever thanked God for someone else? If you've never seen this, it's one of the most powerful things. I see it a lot. I see people say to me about me, but really say to me about you, but I just kind of get the credit because I'm kind of, it's like, it's like in football. The quarterback gets too much credit, too much blame. That's kind of the way the priest is. If the church has good things, people praise the, the priest, and the priest, and the church has bad things, and people blame the priest. Probably most likely it's less the priest and more the people, but... I, meaning on the positive, okay, on the positive, on the positive, <laughs> on the positive is what I meant, okay. I've seen people say to me, Father Anthony, the work that you guys are doing there, it changed my life. And changed my life is just an expression that you just kind of throw out there. But when you see someone, you go eye to eye with someone, and they say, you changed my life. They say, I've heard people tell me, you changed my family tree, like for generations, We've had a certain path in our family tree and generations and generations. And Father Anthony, the work that you and your church are doing, it changed that. You can't walk away from that and just be like, ah, another average day in the office. You can't walk away from that stuff. 
That's powerful stuff. And that's what St. Paul is saying right here. Saying the work that you guys are doing in Corinth, you guys just wrote a check. No, no, it's not just a check. People are thanking God for what you did. Story goes on, verse 13. Because of this act of ministry, they will glorify God for your obedience to the gospel of Christ, which you confess as well as for your generous participation for them and for all. Saying, we thank God that you guys not just talk the talk of Christianity, because a lot of people's good at talking the talk. Y'all walk the walk. And people are going to thank God for you because you guys put your money, literally they put their money where their mouth is, and they did something about their faith. And then verse 14 and 15. He says, and they also long for you while they pray on your behalf because of the surpassing measure of God's grace in you. Now, thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Thanks be to God. And I'm saying, as your priest right here, this is how I feel, if I'm honest. I say, thanks be to God for every single one of you. And I thank God for you, and it's not just me. You may see a small piece here on Sundays, but my goal here today is to take a bigger picture look and show you the impact as briefly as I can, because I, I don't have enough time to show you the impact, but to show you the impact that you as a member of this church are having on three groups of people. And I want to highlight three groups of people. And we're going to kind of go small to big, local to national to global. Three groups of people that today are saying, thank you, God, for you and you and you and you and you and you and everyone who supports this church. Thank you, God, for the ministry that you are doing here through STSA. We'll start small, we'll go bigger. The first group who thanks God for you is communities, local communities across D.C. and Virginia. Did you know, hopefully you know this, but you may not know this, that when this church started back in 2012, one of the things that we did is from the very, very beginning is we started a nonprofit community service organization from the very start. Actually, the service organization was actually filed its paperwork actually before the church. It actually it moves quicker through the, the, the whatever the, the red tape is. So we started from the very beginning. We need to have a presence in the local community as a community service, as a blessing to the community. And just so you know, it wasn't done out of a need. It wasn't done out of we saw a great need in the local community. In fact, it's the opposite. It was done because of a theological understanding, an understanding of who the church is. The church is the body of Christ. So regardless of the local need, if the church is the body of Christ, help me out here. The church is Christ. Would Christ spend all his time inside these four walls? If Christ was here today, that's the question we asked ourselves. If truly we're the body of Christ, where would Christ be if he lived in 2009? It was 2012, but I'm saying if he lived here today in Arlington, would he be just sitting here the whole time having prayer meetings and Bible studies? Or would he be out and about? So I didn't know the answer. So I read my Bible, and the Bible tells me this in Acts chapter 10, verse 38. It says, God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. Well, I believe that we are the same body of Christ and I believe that God is with us. And therefore, it is our duty, not an option, that we should not just be preaching the gospel. Preaching the gospel is super important, but not just preaching the gospel. We should be out and about doing good. We should be out healing brokenness. We should be out there making a difference for people's needs. The community should feel a difference because we are here. And that led to the birth of our nonprofit organization called Hope Multiply. Hope multiplied is our way of practicing one of our core values here in the church, 
which is our 10th core value, which is genuine love for community, which is that we lead with love for those who are around us, especially those who are without Christ. Not just those who are, have Christ, but especially those who are without Christ. And we don't just care about spiritual needs. We care about physical needs. We care about emotional needs. We care about social needs. And we seek to be a true blessing to the community around us. In other words, we want to be Jesus. And Jesus wouldn't be here just for himself and for his little friends. Jesus would be here to be a blessing to those around him. James tells us this in James chapter 2, verse 15. If a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you says to them, Depart in peace, be warned and be filled, but you do not give them the things which are needed for the body, what is it, profit? Thus, also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. And if we're going to be the body of Christ, and we're going to be Jesus in this community, we can't just preach, and we can't just do Bible studies. We have to be serving the needs and meeting the needs of people regardless of their faith. With that, I was going to talk about some of the things that Hope has done in this past year, but I said, you know what? Instead of me talking and kind of telling you secondhand stuff, I'm going to invite Steve to come up here. For those of you who don't know Steve, he's the guy who runs the show here with Hope, okay? And he's going to come up here and tell us about some of the great things that, that Hope has done in this past year. So give Steve a big hand. Thank you very much, Father Anthony. First off, I'm woefully unprepared because someone didn't send the memo to bring corny Christmas jokes, okay, with me, okay? So I'll do my best, but I, I would have brought a ton of Christmas jokes. Um, but it's always a privilege to share just for a couple minutes about what makes this church so special. Because as someone who was here from the inception of the church, really what makes this church special, as Father Anthony said, is that we built into the fabric of this church the idea that we are going to invest and emphasize the people outside of these walls. You all know many churches build big, big, big walls, right? They love the big walls of their church because it's safe, because there's salvation inside, because it's our fortress, because it's our protector. We're the exact opposite. We see walls and we try to break them down and get towards the people and connect with those who are outside of our walls. You know, in the ancient church, they talked about um, the church as like a living, breathing organism, right? Something that's alive. And when you ask me what makes the church alive, it's when we connect with those less fortunate. It's when we reach out our hand and touch those who are, are on the outside. That's what gives the church life, what gives it passion and meaning and value. And so I just wanted to share four quick ways that we have reached out in this past year. And this is not a comprehensive list, but this is just a couple of examples of the work that you all are doing in the community. So the first one, sorry, the first Oh, am I going backwards? Sorry. The first fact, okay, the first impact is in 2019, Hope welcomed over 350 volunteers through our Love Your City program, resulting in thousands of meals, hygiene kits, uh, haircuts delivered to the homeless in D.C. Now, those are big numbers, right? Thousands, hundreds, and those are volunteers that are sitting here amongst you. But I didn't want to focus on the numbers. What I wanted you to look at are the pictures. Because Love Your City to me is not about a meal, a hygiene kit, or a haircut. It's about touching people. It's about humanizing people who have been dehumanized. Monday through Friday, most of us, if not all of us, walk the streets of Washington, D.C., and we walk past people like this. Hundreds and thousands of people walk past these people, and we dehumanize them in the process. We treat them as if they don't exist, as if they don't matter. So love your city. The vehicle may be a sandwich. 
It may be a cup of coffee. It may be a haircut. It may be a hygiene kit. But the goal is not that. That is just the means to an end. The end is what you see in the picture. Is volunteers, hands and feet of Jesus, as Father Anthony said, touching, the hand and feet of Jesus touching those who are dehumanized and giving them humanity, giving them life, breathing life back into them as the church that is living. There's a guy in the, the square. We go to Franklin Square. His name is Kermit because he sounds like Kermit the Frog when he talks. And on Saturdays, he's in the square. But on Monday through Friday, he's actually near my house in Navy Yard in Washington. And every day I see him on my way to the office. And a lot of times my kids walk with me to the office on their way to school. And so now we become friends with Kermit. Okay, we, you know, we dap him up when we see him. And Kermit is like our friend. And something happened during the baseball season that I found unusual. Every day during baseball season, I would see Kermit walk from 7-Eleven back to the bus stop where he sits waiting for me. And he had a newspaper in his hand. I wonder, why does he have a newspaper in his hand? And then it hit me that Kermit discovered that my, my boys are huge baseball fans. So what Kermit would do is he would buy a 75-cent Washington Post, and he would learn about what happened in the game last night with the Nationals so that he could talk to my kids about who hit a home run, who hit you know, a grand slam, who pitched, what the Nats are doing. And I was shocked. And the look on my kids' faces when Uncle Kermit knows so much about the Nationals, and then the look on Kermit's face is humanity, right? Is bringing people back to life. So that's impact number one. Impact number two, as most of you know, this past year we began and are very, very, very close to completing the construction of a brand new mobile health clinic that's going to serve thousands of people and provide access to healthcare for thousands of people in Egypt and will launch hopefully next month. And this came out of an idea that so many of, of our churches always talk about you know, our motherland, right? Whether it be Egypt or Ethiopia, wherever your motherland is, we care about those and those who are persecuted or those who are suffering. Well, we didn't want to just talk about it. We didn't want to just say, you know, that, that, you know, we're connected to them. We really wanted to be connected to them. We really wanted to invest in something that we could do that could make a real impact, not just locally, but globally. And so this idea came about. And where did the idea come about? It came about that a couple years ago, we created our own mobile health clinic here in Washington, D.C., and we've partnered with Children's National Hospital for the past three years. Okay, this mobile clinic that's here in Washington has screened over 3,000 children for seven health barriers to learning that affect their academic life. And I know that many of you, uh, everyone comes to me and says, I want to volunteer, I want to volunteer. And of course, it's tough because the clinic runs Monday through Friday, 9 a.m. to 1 p.m., so it's tough. But just so you know, I was at a luncheon a couple weeks ago with one of the members here, and it was this luncheon for you know, these big shots and influencers here in D.C., and the guest of honor was the CEO of Children's Hospital, Dr. Kurt Newman, who's come to our gala and, and, and is a friend of ours now. And so he was sitting at the head table, and the mayor was sitting next to him, and so I wanted to just go say hi and just you know, see, he might remember me, might know me or whatever. So I bent down, I said, you know, hello, Mr. Newman, Steve Messa from Hope Multiplied. He said, the clinic down in Southeast. I said, yeah. He said, the work that you guys are doing there, I cannot thank you enough for what you guys are doing there. What you have done through that clinic for thousands of people is incredible, and we got to do more, and we got to do more. And so, yeah, you may not get to touch that clinic, and it may not be the most convenient to volunteer, but the impact that we are having, when I can go and sit with the CEO and talk about this clinic, and then he turned to the mayor and other people there and saying, this guy, you know, partners with us on the clinic down in Southeast the spreading of the church and its impact. 
So that's impact number two. Now impact number three is this past year, for those of you who know, for the past five years, we've been doing a mentoring program for at-risk children here in Arlington County. And that's basically any child who is falling behind, whether academically, behaviorally, socially, emotionally, or relationally, they are assigned a mentor for the duration of one school year. And because of the success of this program, a second school in Arlington reached out and asked us to create the exact same program. So this past year, we've mentored, or are in the process of mentoring, over 50 at-risk children in Arlington County. One of the biggest mentoring programs in the county is done by your church, by our volunteers here in Arlington. It was a program completely designed by people sitting in this room that I'm looking at to give back to these kids because the first couple impacts I talked about, Love Your City and the clinic, these are basic needs, right? These are kind of on Maslow's hierarchy of needs. These are basic, you know, food, shelter, clothing, health, you know, healthcare, things like that. These are basic needs. Now we get into how can we transform minds, as Father Anthony said. How can we change trajectories in these kids' lives? How can we really get in and show them a positive role model, not just give them the basic things, but elevate their lives and give them new life and new meaning to their life? And that's what we do through our mentoring program. The last impact, something we just launched about six weeks ago. On that same thing of giving kids more, we launched a social entrepreneurship program for inner city high school kids in DC to provide them with professional development and career guidance. The idea being that a lot of these inner city high school kids grow up in these rough neighborhoods and they have no idea about what they can be. They have no idea about the potential. They have no idea that they sit in one of the most powerful cities in the world because all they see is gun violence. All they see is crime and poverty. So we bring in speakers who come and talk about career development, professional development, I talk about their careers, what they can be. And you cannot believe, and I'm talking firsthand as someone who spoke to them, you cannot believe the power of looking into the eyes of a high school student and saying, you can be more, that I believe in you, that you can do something. You see on the bottom picture, one of the people that we brought, his name is Ted Leonsis. Those of you who know Ted Leonsis is the, one of the founders of AOL. He also owns the basketball team, hockey team, several things here in Washington, D.C. Hearing his story, the students were glued to his story because they couldn't believe that a guy like this would come and invest in them. There's something powerful about telling students and telling these guys that you matter, that you're important, that you can be more. You don't have to be a statistic. And so this program has been going on now for six weeks, and we've already seen incredible results. So all of that to say, if you're a part of any of these programs, the only thing I have to say is thank you. Because without you, of course, nothing gets done, right? And these are the impacts that you are having. Now, if you are not a part of these programs, if you have no idea what I'm talking about, that's okay. There's no guilt or anything like that. But what I extend to you is an invitation, is an invitation to join not for me, I got plenty of volunteers and, and, and you know, the organization will run just fine. I'm not saying that for me. What I'm saying is for you, because maybe a, a, an opportunity like this will breathe some life back into you, right? And will breathe some life back into your church life. And so that's my hope and prayer for you all. Thanks. You know, uh, Steve, when, he, when Steve showed that picture of the Love Your City, Okay, right here. I'm sorry, of the mentor program, you see some people that you may recognize there in the top. This past Tuesday, actually, me and Lizzie, my daughter, my 12-year-old daughter, we go every year. Okay, we go one Tuesday night and we do this, and I highly recommend it for anyone who's never gone. And 
oddly enough, it's, it's a strange story that that morning when I was driving her to school, she was, she was saying her, like they, we give them the allowance and they get the money, whatever it is. And we make sure that they know that they give to the church. Okay. Like that's, that's not an option, right? Parents like they have to give to the church. And she was saying, I don't want to give to the church. She's very generous. She's like, I want to give to a charity that helps children. So I'm like, this is, as a priest, is like my nightmare, okay? Like, this is like, <laughs> no, Lizzie, we give to the church first. And then I explain the difference between tithing and charity. And charity is great, but it's on top of tithing because we receive, for, tithing is just returning God's money to him. And if you receive a blessing from the church and service from the church, like you have to, like the equipment costs money, the salaries of the people who are serving. So you have to, like he who, the labor is worthy of his wages kind of a thing. And she, well, she wasn't really buying it. She's like, you know, and I said, you can do whatever you want with your money, but. Anyway, that, that was a conversation in the morning. It actually was the same day that we went to this thing. And she asked me, you know, at the end of that conversation, she said, do you give money to any charities? I said, no. And she was surprised because, you know, we, we also, like, we're, we're, you know, we try to be generous with our money. And she knows that money for us is, is nothing. And we, we, we give more than 10%. She knows that. But she was just surprised by that answer. And I said, I give if I feel called to give, but I really don't give regularly. I give to the church, and I give to the church, and the church gives to children, gives to the poor, and gives to whatever it is. And I was explaining to her because for two reasons. Number one, the impact is greater. So I could give $10, okay, but if everyone gave $10, then we could give $1,000, and the impact could be greater. And I said, number two, more importantly, is then the credit goes to God, not to any person or any organization. The credit goes to God and to the church. Anyway. Same day, we went and did the HOPE program that night. And when we did the program that night, okay, she came with me, and, and we did the thing, and we did the basketball, and they say, we talk about health, and I show off the skills, whatever it is. And afterwards, you know, the, the principal came to me of the school, and she's like, are you Steve's brother? And I'm like, well, he's kind of my brother. Okay, fine, I'm Steve's brother for tonight. <laughs> I was like, okay, I'm Steve's brother. And she said, thank you so much. Just like, thank you so much, and thank you so you don't realize the difference you're making. And all the parents who came in to pick up their kids, and we're just like playing basketball. Like, we're just having fun. We just, as an excuse to be able to get out, like we weren't doing anything. And we got back in the car. And Lizzie, I'd forgotten the conversation about the money. Lizzie said, is that what you meant? And I was like, what? She was like, is that what you meant about why we give to the church? Then I said, Object lesson right there. I said, exactly. We give to the church, and the church gives to the children and gives to the poor and gives to whatever. So I said, when you donate to the church, you're not just donating to a church and building and walls, like Steve said. You are donating to the children, but you are increasing the impact because we're collecting it all together. And more importantly, those kids had a great night, and all the credit goes to God. All the credit goes to the church, not to any individual. So... You're supporting the church. Thank you so much on behalf. I'm going to go a little bit quicker right here because I took a lot of time for now. But the second group of people who are thanking God for you is, there, is churches across North America. Churches across North America, specifically Orthodox churches, but not just necessarily. At the beginning of 2019, I gave a message here in the Wells, the first Sunday of the year, and I gave a message called The Road Ahead. And I spoke about a dilemma that I had personally, and I shared it with, with all of you. And what I said is the dilemma that I have is many churches reach out to me individually and to many of our staff members as well, and ask for help. And they say, we love what you guys do. Help us do the same thing. And I had a dilemma. The dilemma is I could say yes to every single one of them. And at the beginning, I wouldn't. I would try to help because I don't want to just care about myself. But then it became kind of a drag on my time. And I found myself answering the same questions over and over. How is it you guys do Sunday school? What are these life group things? What is this membership group? Or how do you do it? How do you find, get us a priest like you? How do we find a priest like you? No joke, those are questions that I get. 
And then on top of that, you get questions like, we need you to come and visit. We need more. And I'm like, I don't know if I can visit. And then it's the guilt trip. It's the, it's the, 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 the mission needs you. The youth need you. It's always the youth, the youth, the youth. Okay, the kid, do it for the kids. And I was kind of torn. And then I found out, like I said, that the questions and the requests weren't just coming to me. They were coming to our staff who all have very limited hours and very busy schedules. So now all of a sudden, now it's not just like, what do I do? Now it's like a productivity issue with the staff, which is something I'm very protective over their time. So now we had a problem. So then I said, you know, we need to go to the opposite direction. And we can't help anyone. We're not going to help anyone. But then I was like, you know what? That just doesn't settle with me. I, I, I can't, as a church, say to another church, tough luck, your problem, not mine. Go figure. Like, it's just something doesn't sit right. So what I said at the beginning of the year is we need to find a way that we can help others without hurting ourselves. That was the, that was the conclusion. How to help others without hurting ourselves. And the solution was the formation of something called STSA Ministries. And the mission of STSA Ministries, the mission of STSA Church is to bring an ancient faith to the modern world. The mission of STSA Ministries is to help you do the same in your local community. Whether you're from Detroit, whether you're from Toronto, whether you're halfway across the country, doesn't matter where. As we want to provide resources to equip other churches to do the stuff that we are doing. As Steve said, with hope built into the fabric, we wanted to build into the fabric of our church that we don't just care for our church, little c, we care for the church. We are not just servants of here in Arlington and just the people who's in these walls. We care about all the churches all across North America. And the reason why, you say, why do we care about them? Well, it doesn't take you very long to figure out that you may be here today, but there's probably going to be a time where you're not in Northern Virginia for forever. You're not in D.C. So you will quickly care about the other churches in there and what they're doing as well. So we said is we have to help other churches. Many people love what we do at STSA, but can't figure out how to recreate it. So we created STSA Ministries to help. And what I got right here is I got just a sampling. Okay, I pulled three emails. I want to read you these three emails that I received. And this is just a sampling, okay, of emails we received before we started STSA Ministries to show you the need. And I'll just go through them quick. First one says, this actually is not coming, this is coming from uh, Australia, actually, but similar principle. After listening to most of STSA's videos at the well, I truly believe that God has given me many messages through Father Anthony's sermons, one of which is to establish life groups here in Sydney, Australia, for the Syrian Orthodox Church of Antioch, your sister church. If it is not too much trouble, I would love for you to put me in touch with someone who mentors life groups to guide me and show me a path in establishing one in Sydney. The community is in great need of it. I will put my hand up and say, I am in great need of it. I'm willing to donate if need be. I really look forward to your response. Just so you know, that's not a five-minute answer, okay? That's a discussion because if you want it to be done right, that's going to take a little bit more. Next one comes from a Greek Orthodox priest in Huntsville, Alabama. We got some Alabama hymns here, right? Okay, people from the South. Huntsville, Alabama, Greek Orthodox Church. There's one there. And this priest says, I know that you have, speaking to me, I know that you have a very busy schedule. However, I would like to come and visit sometime and would like to spend a little time with you, especially to discuss the well and how it functions in relationship to your parish's weekly celebration of Eucharistic liturgy, I eagerly await your reply. Next one. It says, hello, I'm a former evangelical Protestant, now Orthodox for the past 13 years, and I absolutely love, capital, all caps, love, what you are doing at STSA. I wish I lived in the D.C. area, but I live outside of Detroit. You are doing everything I wish Orthodoxy would do and so many things that my husband and I have discussed that Orthodoxy so desperately needs groups, relevant messaging, functional website, kids program, service to the poor, and the list goes on and on. How do you do it? Do you have guidelines or a manual or anything that, that, of anything of that sort that could be disseminated not only to my parish, 
but other Orthodox parishes throughout the U.S. I have come close to giving up, listen to this, as a priest, I have come close to giving up on the Orthodox Church and the ethnocentric attitudes, absolutely no vision for outreach to the unchurched, barriers to visitors, etc. But just perusing your website gives me hope, gives me hope that things could be different. I would love to absorb any info you have. Thank you in advance. I can't read that and say, good luck. I'm busy. But I also can't turn my back on this for the sake of that. So SCSA Ministries was created at the start of this year for exactly this purpose. What we've done is we've created a website, and the goal is that every month or two months, we are going to create packages that people can download. Downloads, things like re of how to do life groups. That was actually one of our first ones. We spent a whole bunch of time recording our membership group, okay? And we're going to make those available, and not just the, the videos, but also a manual of like how to do a membership group and why you do it and why it is important. We're going to talk about how our volunteer plan, how we do the kids stuff, all of those various things. In addition, what we did this past September, for those who are here, we did an open house where we invited church leaders from all over. And we had people come. I wrote down something from D.C., New York, North Carolina, Michigan, uh, Toronto, Montreal, and even from the United Kingdom, all the way over from London. We had people come. Ethiopian in background, Coptic in background, Indian in background. We had priest people. We had lay people. We even had the youth themselves, okay? We had non-Orthodox people. And what we did for two days is we opened the door. We pulled back the curtain and said, this is everything that we do. And this is why we do it. And we answered questions. And we had workshops. And it was one of the most powerful weekends that we've ever been a part of. And the reason why we did it is because we believe that God has blessed us with a lot. You agree with that statement? Being blessed with a lot is not just a blessing. It is a responsibility. If the screen ever goes back, you would see a verse, okay, from Luke chapter 12, verse 48. And that verse says, this is perfect, on the week that we're talking about the supporting the church, okay, that the technology goes back, okay, so we can pass the plate around now. Now, a verse which you can't see, but I can see is from Luke 12, 48 that says, for, you can help me out, you know this verse. To everyone to whom much is given, from him much will be, from much will be required. Okay, for whom much is given, much will be required. And to whom much has been committed, they will ask of him the more. So this is the verse that's been ripped off by all the superheroes out there to say great honor, great responsibility, whatever it may be that Spider-Man said. This is the verse that came from Jesus. It says that to whom much has been committed, him much will be asked. Okay, and there's another verse. Okay, not even my screen didn't go out here. So I'm gonna just, the verse from 1 John chapter 3, verse 17 that says, oh, mine came back, okay. Whoever has this world's goods and sees his brother in need and shuts up his heart for him, how does the love of God abide in him? How can I see a church in need and say, I don't care, none of my business. There we go. Big hand for our AV team. Big hand for our AV team. <laughs> Hopefully the collection plate made it all the way around before that came back on, okay? So the first group, okay, right here, just the verse that said, if we have this world's good needs, if we have what people need and we say we don't care, that can't be the body of Christ. Love of God cannot abide in him. First group that is thanking God for you, for you and you and you and you, the first group that is thanking God for you is the local communities. As Steve talked about all around here through hope, we have done great work in the local community. Second group that is thanking God for you, that is saying thank you God for this group of people in Arlington, is people all over who are benefiting from the resources that we have put together and will continue to put together for the Orthodox churches all over. And then the third group is children of God, that is, around the world. And specifically what I want to speak about right here is our ministry, our online ministry through the well and through the videos that we put online. And for this one, I got emails and I put the emails straight up on the screen because these emails, you got to see some of these emails. And I'm telling you, how did I find these emails that I'm about to show you? 
All I simply did was did a search in my inbox for emails from the past 12 months, all these from the past 12 months, and I had certain keywords that I found, and it took me five to 10 minutes to find all these emails. So I, this is just a sampling of some of the emails that I get on a regular basis, and our church information gets at a regular basis, and this is just some of the stuff that people share. I feel like you, if you're a member of this church, you have to know these things. And by the way, the names are all changed, okay? But the stories are real, okay? My name is Nick, and I'm a pastor in Paris, Arkansas. Okay, Paris, Arkansas. I'm glad he clarified that. I'm sure he has to clarify on a regular basis. I'm a pastor in Paris, Arkansas, and I just wanted you to know that I've been listening to your sermons on YouTube and enjoyed them greatly, especially dealing with difficult people. It has helped me much. Next one is from Mark in Melbourne, Australia. I'm 24, and I live in Melbourne, Australia. I've always really appreciated Father Anthony's talks online. Thank you from my university days, but I've recently started working and my commute has allowed me to make a habit of listening to the sermons on my drives to and from work. I've listened to a lot more Father Anthony sermons in the last six months, and they're really having such a positive impact on me. They add a sense of perspective and purpose for me and challenge me to think about my spiritual life and challenge myself to be a better person in general. I just wanted to message and say thank you. You've had a positive impact on my life, and I'm sure on so many people of, around you, I've never thought of Virginia as a holiday destination, but if I come to the States, I'd love to come attend a meeting with you guys. This isn't me. He's thanking me, but he's thanking us. It's not just me. I'm going to take all the credit for it. Okay, I couldn't do what I do unless you do what you do, and you do, do everything that you do. Keep on going. Carol, I just discovered STSA and Father Anthony a little more than a month ago. When my son and I visited for the first time, I've been keeping up with the No Big Deal series and the Sermon on Lying today. I was heavenly convicted about the lie I am living and my need to confess. I am a drug addict, and I want to seek help. I am ready to break free from the bondage and to stop living this lie. Please let me know if you can help. I am not a member of your church, but would like to be. Thank you. Carol. Next one. I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart, Father Anthony. You have opened my heart to seek and find God. I'm a 36-year-old Orthodox Lebanese living in Sweden. I've always went to church on Sundays and prayed before going to sleep, but still I never felt that I am close to the Lord. I found your sermons on YouTube and started to listen. That changed my life. You made me, and we're not going to fast forward that you changed my life. I said, these are big words. And these are people that I'm not asking anything of. These are people who just randomly email me. They cha that changed my life. You made me understand and gave me answer to many questions that I had and never gotten answered. You made me seek for more. Thanks to you. Thanks to you. Thanks to you. I can say I've never been as close to God as I am today. What makes a priest's heart happier than to hear that? Like, wh wh why we do what we do? What would you want to hear other than that? Last one. Last one. Okay, all the other ones, I, I, I changed the grammar to because I'm a big grammar guy and I like punctuation, okay? But this last one is a 17-year-old girl from Australia. I left the grammar and the typos as is because I felt like there's an emotion there that you wouldn't receive otherwise, okay? But just know this, this drives me crazy, so it's not a mistake, okay? It's on purpose. <laughs> Hello, Abuna, okay? <laughs> I'm a big fan of one exclamation mark is all you need, but anyway, okay. Hello, Abuna. My name is Tina. I'm 17. I'm from Sydney, Australia. I've been listening to you speaking of health sermon series, and I just wanted to truly, truly thank you for, you, for the series. It has helped me feel more secure and understand that my depression and anxiety does not mean I'm a bad Christian. I have had negative experiences with a couple of priests when they have bluntly said it is because of a gap in my spiritual life. A priest told me that if I pray, read the Bible, and have communion as much as I can in two weeks, that my depression will disappear. When it did not happen, I felt like there was something more deeply spiritually wrong with me, overall causing me to distance myself from the church. I have since then reconnected 
but a good friend of mine told me to listen to your sermon surrounding it, and I can't thank them and thank you enough. Thank you again so much. Much love from Australia. God bless you in your service. Little heart sign, Tina. That's it. This is why I took the job. Every one of those, and again, that's just a hand-picking. If you're a member of this church, or you support this church in any way, you need to know that you are bringing an ancient faith to a modern world, and you are doing it all over the world. And I got a list right here of all the countries where people download our sermon, but not just read you as many as I could fit on two, three lines of my notes right here. We got more than 100 countries. I'm not going to read all 100. Singapore, Ukraine, Sri Lanka, Brazil, Qatar, Iran, Turkey, Bangladesh, Malaysia, Maldives. I didn't know that was a country. It sounds nice. Netherlands, Switzerland, China, Hong Kong, New Zealand, Puerto Rico, Finland, Philippines, Belgium, Bulgaria, Indonesia, Cambodia, Costa Rica, Morocco, and my favorite of all, if they ever need a priest, the Bahamas. (laughs) Thanks to you. 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 Thanks to you people are seeing that orthodoxy is not a dead faith. Thanks to you, people are seeing that it is just as relevant today as it was 2,000 years ago. Thanks to you, people are seeing that orthodoxy, the orthodox church provides a living relationship with the the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And thanks to you, thanks to you, thanks to you on behalf of people like Nick and Mark and the other names that I remember that I changed up there. Thanks to people, thanks to you, people like them are finding the answer to their questions. And that means thanks to you if you're donating financially, you're supporting financially, you're allowing us to buy these cameras and that equipment back there, you're allowing us to hire the best staff, okay, that works in this place to free me up, okay, so that I can do what I do and they do what they do and they set up all the other stuff. Thanks to you if you're supporting by volunteering and by serving because you set up all the stuff over here so again, I don't have to think about any of this stuff. I just do what I do and I don't know what anyone else does. Thanks to you if you take care of our children upstairs in the Sunday school so we can appreciate down here. Thanks to you if you just bring the energy that you bring because your energy gives me energy and allows me to do what I do. Thanks to you, people are glorifying God and thanking God for you. And that's just the tip of the iceberg. I could go on. I could talk about how in this room here today, I try not to make eye contact with anyone here. I know there's people in this room here today, and there's many of them. But one point in time, walked away from the church. And I know there's people here today who thought the church never accept me, never be part of them. I could never be one of them. And I know people who walked into this church just to check it out, just to get my mom off my back, just to say I would go. It was Mother's Day or something like that. I know people who never see themselves part of the church. But then they found something here they never found anywhere else. Something called limitless acceptance. And three years later, here they are. On just a, I'm just checking them out for one Sunday. Thank you for making this the friendliest, most accepting place on the planet. Thank you for serving faithfully on Sundays. Thank you for doing all the work that allows this place to be what it is. Thank you for supporting financially. Thank you for serving. Thank you for everything that you do. Thank you for inviting. Thank you for welcoming. Thank you for embracing. Thank you for everything that you do to make this This right here, my happy place, and the happy place for lots of people, the best place to be on Sunday mornings, is in this place right here. And thank you for what you do. Wrap up right here, because I went over my time. Acts chapter 17, verse 26, verse that I believe in very strongly, says that he has made from one blood every nation of men to dwell on all the face of the earth and has determined their pre-appointed times and the boundaries of their dwellings. Why I bring you this verse? 
is because that part that says that he has determined their pre-appointed times and boundaries of their dwellings. Nothing is by accident. Do you know we live in a very unique place at a very unique time? The way the world is today, we are at a very unique time in history. The first time that the Orthodox Church has been a foreigner in a land is here today. Every other Orthodox Church grew up in the society and it was part of the fabric of that society. So if you go to the Orthodox Church in Egypt, it's culture, it's languages, it's dress, it's part of the culture. Go to the Orthodox Church in Greece, again, part of the culture, the festivals, the way they talk, it's part of the culture. First time, Orthodox Church in America, first time, the church is countercultural. The church doesn't make sense in the culture. The culture is not only is, is foreign, but is actually contrary in a lot of ways. The, 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 the culture is hostile to it. And here we are. And not just here we are at this time, but in this place. Three miles from the capital of the most powerful country, the most influential city in the world. Two miles from the future headquarters of the third biggest company on the planet. You know, Amazon's moving over here to Arlington, HQ2. And did you know that in the next 10 years, I got it right here, that Amazon is going to open up 25,000 new jobs in the next 10 years. And it's, it's projected that there's usually probably be people coming from outside. 25,000 new people are gonna be moving to Arlington in the next 10 years. They need to go to church somewhere, don't they? That's how I look at that. I'll tell you what, God brought us here to do something. And as I said earlier, we are here at this time, in this place, and it is a great opportunity, but it's not just an opportunity. It's a responsibility. And we have a responsibility. So let me tell you this. If you give here, if you serve here, if you are invested here, thank you. If I could look each one of you in the eye, I would. I'll go to the camera. Thank you. Because you have no idea the difference that you are making. You have no idea the lives that you are touching. And I'll say this. If you are not giving, if you are not serving, if you are not investing, we love you. Like Steve said, there's no guilt. But I'll invite you. I'll invite you to take a step of faith in whatever area that is. If it's giving, I'll invite you to take a step of giving. You say 10%, forget about 10%. Give 1%. Give 1%. And see, see. Give 1% of the seed that God has given you and see if he does more with that 1% than you think you could do. And I've, I've said this before, I'll say it again. Okay, I'm sure our finance team hates when I say this. If you give two months, three months, God hasn't blessed you, I'll give you the money back. I'll actually, you know what, I'll pay it myself. I'll take it out of my own bank because I don't believe it's going to happen because God promised a blessing back. You haven't started serving. You don't volunteer. You're just kind of a consumer, not a contributor. Take a step of faith. Go to the next volunteer orientation. Say, I don't know if I got the time, and I don't know, and I don't know. Okay, but I'll try it for a month, two months. And I'll tell you what, if after a month, two months, God hasn't blessed your life in any way, I'll come serve you. I'll come do whatever you want. Like, I'll, I'll mow your lawn. Like, I'll shovel your, I'll do whatever you want. And again, I can say that because I know it's not going to happen. Go all in. You haven't gone all in on the church. Go all in. Go all in. And then come tell me. You go all in and say, I am all into this church. And after two months, after three months, you say, I want to go back to my life of sin. I will finance your life of sin myself. I will pay for it. 
But I don't think that will happen. Because I believe, as we've been saying, that we are more than a building here. We are more than four walls. That we are in this local community. We are the body of Christ. And we touch, the way Steve said, we touch people the way Christ did. That we are around this country and around this continent. We are more than just a church that cares just about us. We care about not just where we are 10 years from now, but where the Orthodox Church is 10 years from now. We care about the future of Orthodoxy in North America. And we are invested in there. And then lastly, we are disciples of the true apostle. The apostle, capital A, who is Jesus Christ. Who just like his apostles sent them to a foreign land and told them, take this faith and grain it into that foreign land. Just like he himself, the true apostle, came into a foreign place, which is this earth. And he brought with him the truth of God. And he planted it in a way that could be understood. That's who we are. And if you're part of that, I say thank you to you. And here's my prayer, and then I'm done. Second Corinthians, the verse I started with. Now may he, this is my prayer for you. May he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food, supply and multiply the seed that you have sown. And may he increase the fruits of your righteousness while you are enriched in everything for all liberality, which causes thanksgiving through us to God. Let's stand together for a prayer. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for the great work that you have done here, Lord, and that you're inviting us to be part of. And Lord, we don't know what the future holds, but whatever you're doing, Lord, we know it's something special and we want to be a part of it. Thank you, Lord, for all the people who are supporting this ministry with their time, with their money, with their love, with their prayers. Reward them and enrich them, Lord, so they continue to be a blessing to future generations and to future people all over. We pray this in the name of your Son, the prayers of all your saints. Hear us as we pray thankfully. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. In Christ Jesus, our Lord, for thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever. Amen. Thank you for